Hold on, that, that's what we call a bar. When you say something that was like profound, we call it a bar. So you just dropped the bar. Wait, am I spitting bars? You're spitting Ella. <laughs> Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella and today I am joined by Ms. Tiffany Ellis. Tiffany, how are you? I'm outstanding. How about yourself? Hey, where are you talking to us from today? I am speaking with you from Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) I have spent some time down there, my friend. Tiffany, you know the drill. Can you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, I'm Tiffany Ellis and um, I'm a risk analyst now for Amazon. Prior to uh, that, I worked in the property and casualty insurance industry for about 12 years. Well, even though I spend an inordinate amount of time and resources with Amazon, that's not how I know you, is it? (laughs) No, you know me from some of my other um, ventures, some of the things I do outside of Amazon. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that, Tiffany. It's funny because it's my side job, but it takes up probably more of my time than anything else. And it is my passion, um, which is pods and PR. You know, pods and PR led me to both you and Shantae Jackson. So Shantae was my debut interview coming back on the air. And on that show, I joke, I was like, tell Tiffany I'm coming for her. But was I kidding? <laughs> no, I was not. No, you were not. <laughs> well, and the reason why is twofold, Tiffany. One is I told you I started listening to the podcast that you two do together. And of course, well, you know, we're going to plug everything. We're going to tag everything. <laughs> it's called the Heal Shit Podcast. And I said that I started listening to that and kind of fell for both of you. But also I have followed your work independently as well. And I really wanted to talk to you. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me on and I'm happy to talk. Well, we had the funniest conversation because I don't know, you just, you know, when you know your people and like mm-hmm. you click and you're like, okay, this is safe space. I feel comfortable. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be idiotic me. (laughs) Well, warning, I'm going to be idiotic me. (laughs) You're not idiotic. Well, I want to talk about some things with you that, you know, you can't talk to everybody about. And frankly, I wouldn't want to. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I just, you feel like a safe space for me. And I hope that I feel like that for you, but we were talking about, you know, several issues and I said, okay, let's, let's do a show together on women's community, like building women's community. And I'll Mm -hmm. tell you guys where we're going with this, but I said, you know, I sometimes struggle and definitely struggle outside of the podcast. The podcast is like this really cathartic experience for me, Tiffany, where I'm really in community and having like a, just a brilliant experience with Mm -hmm. women and mind-blowingly so. Offline, that's not always been my experience, Tiffany. Do you relate Mm -hmm. to that at all? Yeah, I would say for Paz and PR, for sure. It's funny because at work, I don't have that same comfort I have when I'm working in Paz and PR, and I don't know why that is. What? Tell me really quickly, what is Paz and PR? Um, The easiest way to describe it is it's like a book club, but instead of discussing books, we discuss podcasts. So women get together, We listen to a podcast beforehand. We come together and we discuss it. Oh, I love that idea. I I mean, I have never heard of anyone doing that. You're a genius. I think I am too. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, really, like when I thought of it, I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I Googled, I couldn't figure out a name. I went through the whole spiel. But um, when I Googled, I didn't see anybody else doing it. And I was like, well, it feels pretty innovative. Um, it feels very authentic to who I am. And it just, it, it hit the first time I did it. It did well. And it's been doing well since. Well, and some people can't commit to a book, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's the other part, because, you know, a lot of the women who, who you know, attend my events, they don't have time. They're mothers, they're wives, they're corporate professionals, they run their businesses. So they can listen to a podcast, drive into a meeting or while they're in the gym or cooking. It just makes it easy. So we were chatting about that and you have, you are building, have built and continue to build mm -hmm. a community for women and a space in pods and PR. I do mm -hmm. know that about you. And then you and Shantae are doing that with your podcast as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we just had a really frank conversation about, we were like, yeah, but it's not always like that. And you just right. said, it's not necessarily like that during the day for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know what, even in pods and PR, so I can have a conversation with somebody and it feels comfortable, but like, even when it was time for me to determine and like, who is my target audience and how do I create content? Um, that was a very difficult process because you want to do the right thing, which is, you know, include everyone. But then the organic thing sometimes is to just go in the lane that you're kind of comfortable in and stay there. And you have to be really intentional about coming over to the other side sometimes. Well, and that raises sort of the second tier of this conversation that mm -hmm. we wanted to have with everybody. Mm -hmm. And that was just, I mean, you and I were both like, can we just talk about the fact that <laughs> we're different colors? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that can be an obstacle to yeah. building bridges and to building friendships. And mm -hmm. also, cause mm -hmm. we actually weren't talking about it in the negative. We were like, God, why is it like, so why is it so hard or scary to talk about? Because it's so cool. And like, yep. it's so great. And it's so life, life affirming. Mm -hmm. And yet we have trouble, don't we? Like, first of all, building communities as women, women supporting women is much more of a hashtag than many people's lived reality. I'm just going to yep. say that. Yeah. And when you put like racial or cultural differences in the mix, like look out, it just gets, it gets uncomfortable or scary or just foreign, meaning yeah. unfamiliar. I agree with that. Um, you know, I believe that it probably wouldn't be as complicated as it is if so many things weren't happening around us that aren't always our fault. Um, but it just kind of, it puts you in a position where you're apprehensive about even thinking about forming a relationship with someone because you just don't know how to even do it and do it safely. So you just refrain from doing it and it creates the opposite effect. But I mean, that's where we are now, you know, unfortunately. And that to me is why I just was dying to talk to you about this because yeah. to me, when the media is created, and I, I say media a lot, I'm sort of, mm -hmm. I sort of mean the zeitgeist. So I mean, everything <laughs> filling this, Space. you know, exactly. Thank you. So, I mean, I'm a part of the media. <laughs> so are you. Um, yeah. So I just want to get that out there. It's a bit of a lazy term, but if you guys will humor me, that's, that's where I'm coming from. But so I'm going to continue to use it. So when the media is creating narratives and feeding you what it thinks will either provoke or engage you, which are really mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, not all things that engage you are provoking, but everything that provokes you engages you. So sit with that for a minute, guys, because that mm -hmm. is where the media is coming from. Hold on, that, that's what we call a bar. So on our on our podcast, on the Hillship podcast, when you say something that was like profound, we call it a bar. So you just dropped the bar. Wait, okay. am I spitting bars? You're spitting Ella. <laughs> and this is why you're my girl. Yes. <laughs> 
actually, you guys, Tiffany and I were joking beforehand. I said, Tiffany, there is 0.0% chance I will not stick my foot in my mouth. You said, why do you know this to be true? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, there are two reasons. One is I can be a bit of a jackass sometimes. And two is when I face uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, discomfort or out of your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. you know, topics or issues or feelings, I use humor all the time. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's not the right approach. (laughs) It's good though. I use silence, Ella. That's what I do. So while you, you know, you actually find a way to engage through humor, I generally get kind of quiet or I'm very like intense intentional about everything I say where it almost doesn't even feel organic. I'm so glad that you said that because I think (laughs) the point is like there's space for all of us right here, right? And the long and the short of it is when the zeitgeist is creating a narrative, right? And feeding you all this noise, to me, the very best antidote is human to human connection. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it's the most powerful drug there is. Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean? Because human human contact is the antidote to hate and misinformation. Yeah. So this is about to get dark for just a second. But last night we were having a conversation about suicidal ideations. And um, one of the topics that came up was your tribe and the people you spend time with, because um, nothing can recreate or replace the feeling you get when you authentically connect with another person. Like you could buy all the things, take all the trips, do eat all the food, but that feeling you get when you connect with a person genuinely just can't be, it can't be replicated by anything else. Well, I'm going to talk in terms of black and white for a moment, literally and figuratively. I want to go ahead and acknowledge, Tiffany, that there are lots of different people and cultures and races and ethnicities, okay? But but we happen to represent one each. So so those are the terms we're talking about in today, but I really wouldn't get caught up in that because Mm -hmm. obviously this conversation is bigger than that. But here's where I'm going with this. This data is a bit old. It's from 2014. But in 2014, a study found that three quarters of white people do not have any non-white friends. I heard Robin, is it Robin D'Angelo say that in her book? Um, I was reading a book. It was called um, White Fragility. Mm -hmm. And I think she gave that. And it was when she gave that that, uh, statistic, I just couldn't even believe it. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, I think it's the same for Black people, too. So... And then another follow-up said, by the way, 91% of people who do, and right now I'm speaking as a white American, just to mm-hmm. be clear. So they said 91, 91% of the exception have one black friend, one brown friend, mm-hmm. one Asian friend, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So basically, here's an interesting question to my white friends. Have you ever had a black person to your home for a social visit? Tiffany, does that question apply? <laughs> do you think? <laughs> Um, the only time I've been to a white person's home is like, if we had a holiday party at work and my boss invited us over to being honest, you know, like, so I can think of several companies I work for. I've been in leadership for a while. And so the leaders would get together at someone's house possibly. And even then it's kind of like a show up because I want to show my face and, you know, and then it's like, it's been real. Got to go. Cause I just don't always feel comfortable. Does that question work in reverse if we were to invert black and white? Have you ever had a white person to your home for a social visit? Does that also feel like a an engaging question? So I think you probably find the same answer on both sides. And that's that's one of the things that I think you and I realize is that like one side might be highlighted, but we both have so much in common. We both probably sit in the same seats. So I can tell you that the only white folks I've I've ever had in my home would be um, like my friend's husband who happens to be um, white or 
I think that's it, you know? And it's not on purpose. I think it's just, that's where I am. That's unfortunately that my friendships have not, um, once I left South Florida, cause I'm from Miami, once I left South Florida, it's just been very black and white. We have friends who are Canadian. My husband's English. We have a lot of international friends. We haven't have really close friends who are Canadian. And they said that they were shocked when they came here. And and Canada's very, very diverse in its big Mm -hmm. cities, as is America, obviously. And as is, you know, most countries who are listening right now, um, as are most countries, I should say. In, In any case, the our Canadian friends were shocked. They said these are their words at how black and white America is like they could not believe it. They said yeah. they felt like and by the way, uh, they didn't go not I don't mean to offend anyone, but they didn't go to the deep south. And I right. say that as someone who has lived in southeastern United States for right. most of my life I was born on the West Coast, but I've spent most of my adult life, all of my adult life on the East Coast. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. blah. My point is this. It is so interesting to get other people's perspectives on how mm-hmm. we operate. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel critical of either party. What we're saying yeah. is the best antidote to the otherness is to make a human connection. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. I agree. And I would just say, you know, like personally, I've been very intentional about saying that I'm going to try and build relationships outside of the friends I already have because. I just think it's so much more to life and people see like each person can see the the world so different. Each person's navigated a different path. And so by interacting with that person and exchanging ideas, you get to see life from their perspective or their vantage point. And we don't do enough of that, which is why we lack empathy as people sometimes. And we can't really just be good to one another. That's, that's the simplest way to describe it, you know? And you get caught up or tricked by narratives. Yeah. That other people are giving you. And because frankly, like you only know what you know. That's right. So, I mean, it makes perfect logical sense. And the other thing is that one of the reasons I think it's hard, first of all, I think it's hard to make friends as an adult full stop. Absolutely. Because we're more, we're pickier also. So Ella, we're picky. And then like, aside from being picky, we're busy. (laughs) So it's like, because now you know what you want in a friend and then you have a whole life or a husband and whatever. You don't have time to build friendships, not good ones. That's so true. As an adult, you are giving something up in order to do something else. Like I think all adulthood is just trading time. (laughs) (laughs) You are definitely neglecting one thing to do another for like your entire adulthood. Absolutely. So who you invest your time in matters. So making friends as an adult and nurturing friendships as an adult, to me, is very, very difficult. And then when you add in any layer of difference, difference is always harder. And I like to use different examples that don't have the emotional attachment to them to, mm-hmm. to like question a hypothesis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, when you're a young boy growing up, talking to a girl is terrifying yes. because you're a boy and that's a girl and they're that's a different right. species to you when you're 11. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you're, you're, let's say you're in high school, the theater geek talking to the jock can be terrifying mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're, you know, what do we have in common? So when you're one color talking to a person that looks different than you or grew up differently than you, or is a, mm-hmm. has a different culture or ethnicity than you do, it can feel like uncharted waters and yeah. we're human. It's okay to say that, I think. Yeah. And the other part that makes building relationships of any kind, especially difficult, is um, I speak about the fact that I like friendships I can have difficult conversations in. 
And any healthy relationship requires the ability to navigate difficult conversations. And interracial or cross-racial relation, um, relationships or friendships are already complicated. And so to even think that there could be other just things that happen just as a as part for the course, and you won't be able to talk through it, or you fear the ability to be able to talk through it, it makes you just say, I'm not going to put forth the effort. And I think that's just where a lot of people are. It's not even about not wanting to have you know friends outside of your race. It's a matter of, I don't know how to do this. There's so much there. And I went and did some reading and there's an interview in the New York Times that I'll that I'll post. I'll link to it, of course. Mm -hmm. And this person he or she said, there's no way to be intimately close with people if you refuse to engage in the truth of how the world is organized. That's right. I think the reason these friendships are hard to maintain talking about cross racial friendships is that in order to be truly authentic, I need to feel like I can share all the parts of myself with my friends. And that's going to be difficult because there are going to be some ugly parts, some pretty parts, and we're and you're going to have some, I'm going to have some, and friends also hold each other accountable. It gets difficult really quick. And that is, a, I mean, that's a lot. That feels yeah. like a very heavy weight. And I, I think one thing that I love about you and me um, is <laughs> that we're willing to say the things like no one else yeah. is willing to say. And that is yeah. like, it already is hard. So if we just stick with what we know, it's convenient. Yes, it's true. It is so true. And I think as we move forward, um, it has to be an intentional, and I use the word a couple of times in this conversation, but it has to be an intentional act on everyone's behalf to change the narrative. I want to get into the specifics with you about what that could actually look like. And I have some thoughts and you might have some thoughts and neither of us have the answers because I do not represent all white people. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure you don't represent all black people, not today, but the other thing I wanted to get on the table, and this is something that I don't think people say enough is people are so worried. They're going to say the wrong thing. Uh, listen, this whole, I, I'm probably going to listen to this podcast episode and say to myself, like, Tiff, what's wrong? Because I'm being, I, even in this conversation, and I'm super comfortable with you. I'm being cognizant of the fact that, you know, people will listen from everywhere and I'm trying to make sure I say the right thing. But I, you know, I just, it's hard navigating these conversations. It really is. No, I understand what you mean. Like, yeah. honestly, truly, it is, we don't want to be misunderstood. That's right. Yeah. The truth is there's so much nuance in life and there's so mm-hmm. much like you are putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Yeah. This conversation, we both were like, okay, we don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> so, hey, <laughs> hey, you who's got us in your ears, please know. I hope you feel like just the third person sitting at this table with us. And yeah. and I love just that we're even having this conversation because I think it's really useful to drag things into the light mm-hmm. and talk about them. I agree. I agree. I got to say, Tiffany, one of the reasons I love listening to your podcast with Shantae is because I am not your intended audience. Who is your, let let me hear it from you. I don't want to make any assumptions. Who's your (laughs) intended audience? It's going to be black women um, and, or women of color. Um, I have to say, and, or because um, that gets complicated very quickly. I don't ever want to assume that I understand someone else's walk of life. So since I've navigated the world as a black woman and that's my existence, I can speak to the things that we encounter. And I don't, I didn't hear anywhere in there that you were like, I'm looking for blonde white women. (laughs) I don't know why I decided to use that accent. (laughs) But make no mistake, when I first started Pause NPR, goodness, like when I tell you, I was like, this is for every woman. It's going to be for everyone, everywhere, all ages. That's really what I wanted. And then as I started to put out events, I had to pay attention to the fact that 
the people who were gravitating to my platform, it wasn't every woman. It was a Black woman who understood my Black existence. And I realized I could serve more benefit there if I speak to those specific things that I know very well than trying to address everyone because it just doesn't seem authentic when you do that. And at the same time, the beauty of what you do is, because I pulled up a chair anyway, Now my chair's in the back of the room, (laughs) but I pulled my chair into the room and I was like, I'm just going to hang out in here because I'm learning something and I'm taking something away. And guess what? This is very different than marketing. This is very different than designing your message. That's not what we're talking about. You're exactly right to have your intended audience. That's how marketing works. That's how business development works, but that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is wow, we have a lot in common. Wow. I learn a lot by listening to my friends who have different experiences than I do. Maybe they have different trauma than I do. Maybe they had a different growing up experience than I did. And guess what? They have the same pain that I do, or they have pain. Like I do. We have the same insecurities. We have relationship strife. We have communication strife. We are misunderstood. By the way, we're women. Mm -hmm. The people that we're talking to today, we are women. We have that Mm -hmm. in common. And that female experience in this world Mm -hmm. can be tough sometimes. You just dropped so many bars, Ella. Let's just, <laughs> you dropped bars. <laughs> and you see her fixing her hair like, yeah, I did that. But no, <laughs> the other day, um, you know, it's funny. The other day we got a message in our Hill Shit inbox from a young woman who was also a white woman. And she said, you know, I just want to tell you, like, you all are helping me so much. And then she typed, um, even though I'm not your intended audience, And I have to be honest with you for a second, my heart dropped a little bit because I never want anyone to feel like I don't care about how they're, how they're feeling or what they're going through. But it's just, you know, you just have to be clear sometimes about where you're standing right now and the intent of your actions to give that context so people understand why you're doing the things you're doing. Well, I'm going to give you an example to alleviate you, I hope, of that sort of that that vibe you get when you're like, ah, I'm not trying to exclude anyone. And here's what it is. When I first came out, I wanted to speak to men and women. And I was very intentional about that. And part of it is because I struggled with building community with women, Tiffany. So just PS. Okay. So I came out and I, with the show and I was like, this is for men and women. Well, guess what? I have men who listen to the show and I love them and I hear from them. However, if I tried to speak to women and men at the same time, I would dilute most of my messages. Now, does that mean that it's weird for a man to pull a chair into the room? No. I mean, my God, he's going to learn so much. Like he gets That's the right. keys to the kingdom. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> However, if I have him, because every time I'm talking, just like you, Tiffany, every time I'm talking, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of the person that has me in their ears. I'm picturing them. And that person is always a woman. And I am sharing a narrative with her. Again, the men who listen are absolute geniuses. Mm -hmm. I really can't applaud you (laughs) enough, gentlemen. Um, That's a lazy way of saying that they are not my P1. They are not my primary audience, but they're welcome to pull up a chair in the room. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're excluding anyone, Tiffany. It means you have a message and a core. And if your net happens to pick up a few others because of the universal truth, that's great news. Yeah. You know, it just, the reason why it feels sometimes like exclusion is because we've become very accustomed to this or that, not this and that. And so it's like, 
it's either this or that. And it shouldn't be that way. And when you just said, um, you know, the man who gets to come in the room, like how brilliant is he? Because he gets all the information. I feel the same way about having people who are not Black in the room because we talk about like fixing the issues as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? But Black people understand the problem amongst Black people. Um, We need people who don't understand our problems in the room with us or folks we can build relationships with who can, you know, help us. And so the overall goal is to be more inclusive. But yeah, it is intentional when you speak to your audience because you want your message to really resonate with them and you can be your most authentic self when you are... um, are true to your intention. That's the best way to say it, I guess. I think that's so true. And I think that there's a, I hope folks who are in business and who do need to refine their message and understand what niche they play in. I Mm -hmm. hope they took something away. There's nothing wrong with having a niche, even though it feels exclusive. It Mm -hmm. means, you know, your message. It doesn't mean you're excluding the free world. Okay. So let's talk about why this is hard and sort of like why it's scary to step outside of your immediate circle or, and then I want to talk about how, but I wanted to just get a couple of things on the table about like, what is keeping us from intentionally seeking out people who are different than we are? I can just speak for myself personally. Um, I don't go a lot of places where there aren't a lot of black people. So that's my first, uh, mistake I think that I make is I'm not intentional enough about putting myself in position to meet other people at work when it's time to build um, cross-racial relationships. For me, the reason I tend not to is because I've had some traumatic experiences in the workplace. And so I have a lot to lose, right? I have a lot at risk when I have a relationship go wrong or when something doesn't work out the way I want it to. So because I have so much at risk and because it's a matter of self-preservation, it will keep me from even allowing myself to cross a boundary or enter a space that I don't feel comfortable in. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you just made me think of something like you just, something just hit me like a ton of bricks while you were saying that. So People are scared that they're going to say the wrong thing, right? Mm -hmm. To one another. Mm -hmm. All right. The other thing is people have strife between them. Like, you know, you have a work issue that comes up or a project didn't go well, or you, there was a miscommunication in friendship or in business. Right. So when you have race in the mix and Mm -hmm. there's a miscommunication or strife or something doesn't go swimmingly because we're alive on this planet earth, Mm -hmm. I think there's like this immediate weight, you know, and like, that both parties or one party is scared. It's going to be about that. The unspoken thing, the elephant in the room. Is that, I, am I, is that real? No, it's, it's a very real thing. And here's the funny part. So well, this is actually not so funny. A lot of times for black women, women like myself, and I have to say that because black people are not a monolith, but black women who identify and see the world as I have, we have to ask ourselves, was that rooted in race? Because it's happened to us before. Right. And so I actually have had this conversation with my therapist. And when I'm at work, one of my coping skills is working through the situation and asking myself a few questions to make sure I'm not being oversensitive based on things I've been through in the workplace before. And I'm actually just having an interaction with another human being that we didn't agree on, you know, but it takes some work to even get to that place. And that's where healing has to, you know, has to happen. We have to be so careful what lens, what meaning we associate with circumstances because the circumstances are typically neutral and we are assigning meaning to them. And I say that, and at the same time, 
I have experiences where I get treated differently because I'm female. You have experiences where you get treated differently because you're a female. You have experiences where you get treated singularly differently because you are a black female. And like, and, and it must be, I have to say, and I'm, I'm worried I'm going to say this wrong. I'll just put that out there. I have to say it must be exhausting trying to figure it out. Let me tell you, and I'll tell you a quick story and this might cause some sensitivity, but I was in the nail shop the other day and I was getting um, a fill done. My normal nail tech was out of the country. So got my nails done. At first I went to this place two weeks ago. They did a horrible job. I went back anyway, because my nail tech was still out of town, but I came, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I came back in and I said, Hey, you know, this is what was wrong. Can you please fill? So the guy does my nails, did a horrible job again. And they go, do you like your nails? And I said, no, but it's okay. I'm going to pay. So I called my husband and he's like, why didn't you say something? You know, if you're paying for a service, but here's the thing. When we lived in Texas for only a year, I went to a nail shop and I got my nails done about halfway through. I didn't like it. And I said, Hey, excuse me, can they fix this? And the nail tech stood up and said, your kind always creates problems. You need to get out of my shop. He proceeds to like move the towel off of my hands, grab my purse, like get loud in the shop and say, you need to leave. And I said, is this happening right now? And when I got in the car, I was shaking and I was mortified and I was in tears. And I called my husband and he's like, I'm coming. And I said, please don't come up here. I said all that because when you talk about the lens, you look at the world, right? A simple issue with my nails kept me from speaking up because I was traumatized from the prior experience. And so I had to talk to my therapist about that. But that that one traumatic experience, that one news story, that one, you know, Yahoo News article, whatever it is, it could cause you to see the world from a different filter. And that will keep you from having the conversations you need to have to really build those relationships. I really appreciate you sharing that because, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we just need to say what is. Yeah. So that's what makes it difficult. So when you want to talk about building interracial relationships or cross-racial relationships, those are the kind of conversations um, we need to understand the way people see the world, because sometimes it isn't rooted in race, right? But sometimes it is. And when that happens, we have to be able to call a thing a thing and that not create awkwardness amongst friends. That awkwardness is real, Tiffany. Can we please talk about it? Maybe, I don't know whether I should frame this as what should we do or what should we not do? So I'm just going to let you pick, but (laughs) what are some guidelines here? Cause we'll talk about like, I'll, I'll give you some examples of how I've intentionally sought to make friends with people who are outside my, by the way, I live in a very diverse area. So it's not like I didn't used to, I lived in North Carolina. It was not very diverse at all for years and years and years. And now I live just outside of DC. So it's so great because it's not hard at all to befriend people who don't look exactly like me, by the way, I I'm already uncomfortable with the way that I'm saying this because it's like, we're not that different. Whenever you talk like this, it's, it's, um, it's easy to sort of talk in stereotypes or whatever. I'm not that diverse just because I have friends who are different colors than I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because I don't mean to make it sound like I'm just building bridges. (laughs) You you know what I mean? There's nothing noble in what I'm doing. The only thing that I have done that I do want to share is I have intentionally sought to bring women of color into my life Mm because I don't care what color, but I just don't. I have failed if all of my friends look exactly like me. Mm. And that responsibility isn't on just you two. So I think we all need to take that approach and say, we have failed if everyone in our circle looks exactly like us. 
And some people might be like, why? And again, I would just say, because you know what, this is the world we're in right now. And, yeah. and to me, the only way it gets better is through human to human contact and love mm-hmm. and relationship. Mm-hmm. I think it's also okay to accept that if you meet people who are not the same race as you and you don't have things in common, you don't have to forge that friendship just because you are trying to be intentional about doing that. You can still not like people, (laughs) but but when you do like them, don't let the things that um, appear separate you from building a relationship. Well, let's talk about the how and maybe in the how some of the like what to do and what not to do will kind of come up naturally. And and Mm -hmm. I'll give you one example. You know, look at the look at the trope of the high school cafeteria where like sits with like. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a trope. Like it's so every high school movie, the geeks sit together and the jocks sit together and all the, mm-hmm. you know, all the stereotypes. Well, I went to a conference a couple of years ago back when we did that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's such a thing of the past. <laughs> yeah, remember when we did that? And it's the type of thing where you might know like the one person you went with, or you might, you might know a few yeah. people, but you don't know everybody there. So everybody mm-hmm. is sitting by definition, you're sitting at a table with a stranger. And I looked around, it was completely color by color. The tables were color yeah. by color oh, because that is human psychology. Like mm-hmm. I get it. I'm not even being critical of it, but that's a tiny example of where I encourage you to go sit at the table. That's not your color. <laughs> Ella, I'm telling you, you, you have the best intentions, but it's so scary because you don't know how you're going to be received when you sit down. And if you just had someone give you eye contact or, you know, a welcoming gesture, maybe it would make you feel like this could be a safe space for me. How can women support each other when that does happen? Tiffany, what does that look like? Because like, you know, when we had like the worst summer ever, the summer Mm -hmm. of 2020, you know, I'm sitting here, first of all, I have a black daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so I was able to have conversations with her, but also be like, how do I reach out to my friends without being that white chick? That's like, Hey, just wanted to check (laughs) on you. I know times are tough. Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And I don't know how to do that without looking like a jackass. So (laughs) when stuff's going down in the world and you just want to reach out to your friends who like you're suffering because you're watching the news and you're Mm -hmm. human and you have Mm -hmm. a heart, Mm -hmm. but also you particularly want to reach out to your friends. If I'm white, I want to reach out to my black friends and say, God, like this sucks. And I am here, but that sounds, that sounds self-centered to me. So that's a tough one. I posted on LinkedIn about that because I've seen a lot of my friends who do a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work say, check in on your coworkers, ask them how they're feeling. And I'm going to be honest and tell you, I don't want anybody to talk to me about it. Everybody's different. So it's the same. You got to look at issues of race like you would look at any other issue that would be very important to a person, right? Some people are comfortable speaking about it. Some people are not. If they are, sometimes they want to speak about it privately in safe spaces with folks who they're going to be able to give their true feelings to and not feel like they have to defend them. Um, And so you have to know who you're talking to more than you have to focus on the topic, I would say. I think that with anything difficult to your point, the real, the answer is always going to be communication. And, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, but now people say, if I say the wrong thing, my intention doesn't matter. Only the impact Mm -hmm. matters. And I'm like, well, stop putting it on Facebook and just call your friend. But it also, it all, it depends on if you're dealing with a person who is dealing with their own stuff too, because that statement is like, if you're dealing with somebody who isn't really 
um, emotionally intelligent enough to regulate their emotions and, and see that for what it was, then that's not necessarily a you thing. But it also depends on what you say in the magnitude of the situation, right? I think there's a lot of posturing that goes on in social media. Mm -hmm. How about I work in my own backyard with my own wallet in my Mm -hmm. own relationships Mm -hmm. and my own, you know, you get the idea instead of posturing on social media, like how about them apples? I think you have to walk away from trying to be seen to do the right thing and try Mm -hmm. and do the right thing. And I think there's a difference. Yeah. It's performative or it's transformative. Right. And so I believe in transformative work. Um, I actually believe in being the difference and making a difference. I don't care for the glitz and glamour and you thinking or perceiving me to be a thing I'm not actually. Okay. I think you may have just dropped a bar. Did I? (laughs) Just dropped a bar. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit more about the how. How do we develop the personal connection? So let's throw some some things on the table. I don't know, by the way. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I have no answers. However, (laughs) I think approaching women, I think- doing, this is exactly how you and I found one another is we're like, we want to build a community of Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And again, this is not about changing your avatar. This is not about opening up your niche. That's not what it's about. What it's about is being open to building relationships with Mm -hmm. women and defining Mm -hmm. that as anyone who resonates, anyone who's vibrating on your frequency. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. I mean, you said it, neither one of us has the answers. Um, I know that I've started to follow accounts, you know, that have white faces on them, just like I follow accounts with black faces on them, because I never used to do that before. So diversifying my social media feeds, diversifying who I engage with on LinkedIn, because we spend a lot of time on social media, but I've also built some very meaningful relationships through social media interactions. So just commenting regularly on different posts. Um, when I'm at work, I actually, and this, this might sound bad on my behalf, but I actually have built a really strong relationship with a woman who was white. This is the first white woman I've ever built a friendship with at work because she allowed me to feel safe. And, you know, being in that relationship with her, having conversations with her, like I said earlier, gives me the comfort I need to be able to do this with other people as well. And so we have to start somewhere and it's going to be small and difficult at first, but the more you do it, it's going to become more comfortable for us. Oh, you just gave me goosebumps Why? <laughs> because I feel like that is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I just hope like what is really on my heart, Tiffany, is that I just hope that this conversation resonates with a few people that they can even use this conversation yeah. as a conversation starter. Yeah. You know you what said, I mean? You said one thing earlier that um, stuck with me and it's about the intention, right? So if you really focus on a person's intention, their intent of their actions, it makes it easier easier for you to navigate these murky waters because the outcome sometimes can be far from what you intended it to be because we all manage our own insecurities, biases, lenses. But if you just focus on the person's intention and if you approach with pure intentions, you'll always be safe. You just dropped a bar and then you raised <laughs> the bar and now I need to go to the bar with you. <laughs> Tiffany, thank you so much for being my virtual pod friend. Um, I would like to be friends in real life, please. (laughs) I definitely enjoyed this conversation and I could see us building a relationship. So for sure. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Tell people where to find you. 
You can find me on social media. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, but I kind of think it's pretentious now and then. So I don't like to be on there too much, but I'm Tiffany Y. Ellis on LinkedIn. Um, on uh, Instagram, I'm pods, P-O-D-S underscore A-N-D underscore P-R or Heel Shit Podcast. I love how we just say heel shit podcast. It's just, <laughs> like, we know we're Helping saying women heal word. their shit. That's what this is all about. <laughs> I highly recommend Tiffany and Shantae's podcast to anyone who wants a seat at the table to hear a little bit more about the human condition. Tiffany, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you, Ella. Bye, girl. Wait, I can't say bye, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can say bye, girl. <laughs> I'm a disaster. You can. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no whip. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.